happy Monday, everybody, or whatever day you are listening. This is Stephanie, the host of the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast, and I am excited to be back with you guys. It's hard to believe that it's already March, but I am so excited for the warmer weather. I can't even handle it. So today we are on our third faith episode, and I have to say, and I feel like I started, I'm starting to say this every single week, but I am more excited about this episode than I have been about any single episode that I have done so far because several of my friends and listeners have shared their testimony and you will get to hear from their words how big our God is and just to see how he moves in miraculous ways and is pursuing our hearts at all times. And today we're going to talk about a pretty common question or reservation that people have and that is trusting God with our resources. A lot of the stories and examples in this episode are geared specifically around finances or job opportunities, and they showcase times when God not only just completely showed up, but showed off (laughs) when people just trusted in him. And this can also apply to any resource, you know, whether that be time, physical possessions, or any other gift you may have been blessed with. And many of you in this community have been walking alongside one another as we work to pay off debt. And I have been very proud just hearing about the tough lifestyle choices you guys are making to stay laser focused on paying off your debt. But one question that I have gotten consistently within this process is really, should I be tithing or should I be giving to my local church when I'm actively getting out of debt? And people ask if they should continue to give when someone, you know, loses their job or if a big expense comes up like you know, your roof's caving in or something, or your car is completely giving out. These can be scary and stressful situations, and it makes sense in this culture of me first that we live in to have these questions come up. And it's really easy for me to say, yeah, you should, you know, just have faith or whatever and trust in God to provide, but that can be extremely difficult and cause anxiety if you haven't ever let let go and just given God the opportunity to show his provision. And if you don't have any frame of reference for what this even looks like, the lack of control can really shake even someone who feels like they have a pretty strong faith, right? So let's look at what God says about trusting him. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says, So don't worry about these things, and referring to finances, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We hear stories, I think, of people who chose to stay faithful and giving through hard or pressing times, and they will typically say, I don't know, God just always found a way to provide for us. Okay, (laughs) that sounds cool, but like, what does that mean exactly? And what does that look like? I don't know about you, but facing, you know, mounting expenses and not having certainty around finances, that statement doesn't necessarily give me like peace or rest or confidence that things are just going to like work themselves out somehow. But I'm going to walk you through some real life examples that have been pouring in when I asked this question of people in our community this week, and you will get to hear in their own words how they were bold in their faith, even in the unknown, and exactly 
how God provided in a real and tangible way. And that's what I wanted to know. I'm like, tell me your stories. Don't tell me, you know, God just provided. Like, tell me how. Who did he use? What did he give you? How did how did he come through for you? So I, I asked for the specifics and I got them. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear. And first, I want to share our cousin Allie's story of when her and her husband trusted in God in the midst of losing a job. So about six months after we had made our first big home purchase, um, my husband's company had merged with another large pharmaceutical company and let about 300 associates go. And my husband, unfortunately, was one of them. Um, He was the primary breadwinner. So when he came home, I was obviously distraught and upset and thinking immediately, like, how are we going to make ends meet? Um, And he, for some reason, was very calm. Um, We had been through a layoff before, but I feel like we were in a totally different headspace than we were, you know, years ago, um, mature-wise, faith-wise, everything. Um, So, of course, we cried and we prayed and, you know, we're just thinking, how are we going to get through this? Well, we sat down together and looked at our bills and our budget and figured, you know, where can we cut to make things easier until he can find another job? So... Um, We cut our cable, which actually we haven't had cable since, and it's amazing. We don't miss it one bit. Um, We did like the grocery shop budgeting where we went with cash and stuck to a list and things like that. Um, We didn't have a ton of debt. Luckily, his car was paid off and things, but any little bit that could help, you know, during this hard time, we were willing to do. Um, Then we got to tithing on our list and we both just absolutely know we were not going to cut our tithe no matter how hard things were financially we were going to continue to faithfully give to the church every month like we have been and actually we ended up increasing it um, during the unfinished initiative that our church was going through which was even more scary we were like uh we can barely make ends meet how are we going to double this but we did. And I can't believe that. I mean, I can, God always provides, but when we're in this fear of the unknown of what's going to happen and where's the money going to come from and how are we going to pay our bills? And then when you get out of that and you look back and you're like, man, like God had us the whole time. And it's just crazy to think of, you know, we thought, oh, I really want him to get this job. He went on multiple interviews for it. um, And we thought for sure he had it in the bag. And then it was like crickets. We didn't hear anything. And we're like, what is going on? Like, why is nothing happening? And we just continued to have faith and know that God was going to take care of us. And sure enough, he opened a door to the most amazing company that he's at now And now we can look back and see like, okay, this is why this job didn't work out. This is why this happened. And it's just amazing to be able to look back and see how God can pull you through some of the hardest times. I just love this story because I was telling her after I heard it, I'm like, I feel like God was just like, wait for it. wait for it. Like, do you really have faith that I have your best interest in mind and that I know your heart and your wants and your desires and, and really what, what Chris wants and desires in job. And then ultimately he just like serves it up to them on a platter, right? That's, that's so awesome to me. So I am actually going to lay a little bit of a groundwork really quickly on tithing 
so in the Old Testament before Jesus, you know, the law was that people would tithe, which just means give 10% of their income to their local church. This was kind of the first thing that they paid, just symbolizing that their trust and everything they had was a blessing from God. And then they adjusted the rest of their life and their lifestyle to live on the remaining of whatever they had, knowing that God would provide everything they needed. Then Jesus came and enter in, you know, the New Testament. Tithing is not actually a New Testament command. The New Testament command was radical generosity, according to your means. So there isn't a percentage command, though I think a lot of people still hold tight to that 10% Old Testament rule. But the point here is that Jesus came to abolish the law that had everyone so daggone uptight and focused on how they could earn their salvation. But here's the deal. Jesus just wants your hearts, you guys. He does not care about your money. He doesn't want you to give begrudgingly, like just keep it if you're annoyed with having to give, right? He doesn't want you to give your 10% and resent him because you are living in poverty. And he also doesn't want you to have an insane amount of excess because of all of his blessings and then be like, well, I gave you 10%. So, you know, even though I could have comfortably given 12 or 15% or 25%, I'm going to put, you know, bookends around my 10% tithe because that's what was asked of me to do. And now I get to check that off my list. <laughs> no, Jesus freed us from both of those stances because both of those are us holding tightly to what we have and what we are able to give. Instead, he throws the ball into our court and says, just be generous. <laughs> just be generous with what you have. And it makes people who love the law and order crazy because they just want a number or a percentage to follow so they can make sure they are doing the quote unquote right thing. And I can just imagine like someone back in the day walking with Jesus and asking him like, okay, but, but for real, like how much should I give you? And Jesus just chilling and just being like, just be generous. And somebody asking again, right. I'm all about being generous. I get that. But could you just give me like a ballpark, just ballpark a number here for me, Jesus. And Jesus you know, again, just carry on doing his thing ever so calmly, just kind of shrugging his shoulders and responds with a slight smile saying like, just be generous with what your father has given you. And then the guy just like staring at him, <laughs> knowing like maybe he, the guy really could give more than 10% in his heart, but wanting confirmation that it was okay for him not to, or maybe he knows he can't even give 5%, but 3% he can do and it would be a stretch, but that feels generous to him and something he could do joyfully. But that response from Jesus, just the, just give generous, like, you know, in your heart, <laughs> you know, in your heart was generous with what you have. And the fact that, and the fact is, is that God knows our heart and he knows exactly why you are asking the questions that you're asking. Like if you really can't give, you know, X number, he knows that you really can't, and really he's okay with that. Mark 6.24 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I want to share my friend Whitney's story that she sent me. She says this, 
So this past Thursday night, we sit down, her and her husband, and we write out our budget for the next two weeks. Instead of budgeting for the month, we do it for two weeks because my income is not a set income. We are in a season where we have not really been tithing like we should, and honestly, we have just been really lazy and kind of fallen behind. So when I was looking at the numbers Thursday night, this past Thursday, the last thing I wanted to do was put 10% of what could go to bills to our tithe. But my, she puts in parentheses here, my wonderful, my faithful, loving, better half of a husband said, we need to just do it and have faith. So fast forward, it's payday, and the first thing I do is log into our bank account, and my husband's direct deposit is 238 more this pay period than what we were expecting. He told me last week that he was probably going to get a raise, woo, which is exciting, and a small bonus, and I had totally forgotten. So me being the person that I am, I do the math, and my paycheck plus my husband's paycheck times 10% is exactly $238. I told my husband and he just said, God is giving us a confirmation. So, so cool. (laughs) Isn't that the best? Like that happens all the time, you guys. And the, the stories where it's like exact numbers and they line up like that, it's like, it gives me chills. And the pastor at our church did a sermon a little over five years ago, and he was explaining that material wealth is the number one way, the number one way Satan attacks Western Christians. He had said many times, God does not care if you have money. He just does not want the money to have you. Think about your own children. We love showering them in love, and it brings us joy to give them gifts. But when we see them come to like expect things and then be ungrateful or consumed by them, it makes us sad, right? It also makes us less likely to continue to give a gift again until we work on our children's character first. We do not wish to raise a spoiled, entitled child, you know, who turn into be spoiled and entitled adults. It reminds me of the, um, you know, saying of just, you need to be faithful with little before you can be faithful with a lot. So how much value you guys do you put into material things? If God called you to sell your beautiful house, your favorite car, change from your well-paying job to focus on a career that builds a kingdom, would you? Even if you would, would it be easy Would you have peace about it? How strong of a hold do you have on God's things he has given you to enjoy? Do you really believe that all things are his and that they are to be used for his glory? Do you really understand that you cannot take any material things with you when you leave this earth? Obviously, we know this logistically, but do we really live like we know this? Dave Ramsey says, quit trying to buy things y'all cannot afford with money you do not have to impress people you do not like. (laughs) Sean, our pastor, said in this sermon that, that day, the past generation worked hard for years so they could upgrade their life later. Our generation upgrades their life in a matter of seconds with one swipe of a credit card and pays for it for decades. We think that it's awesome (laughs) that we can live off of 120% of our income when we add in credit cards, except that we are drowning in so much daggone debt that we cannot use God's resources to help anyone. 
We keep saying yes to the newer, nicer, bigger things, and we leave no room to help anyone but ourselves. We are in a day and age, you guys, where debt is normal. It seems unfathomable to not have a car payment or a mortgage. Like, that's devastating, you guys. It is brainwashing at its finest. And we all have turned into slaves who don't really even own what the heck, what we work for. We don't own what we actually even have. We have to break this chain, you guys, and change our legacy. It took Dave Ramsey going bankrupt to start over. I mean, how easy is Satan's job when we allow this much control over our lives to be held in our financial situation alone? You guys, finances touch every single part of our life. And then there's the other end of the spectrum that Satan hits us with, okay, well, God has barely given you enough to make ends meet. Why would you give some of those resources to fund the mission of the church? (laughs) You guys, be honest. (laughs) How much do things really have a hold of your heart? How are you honoring God with the things he has blessed you with? And I will link to the sermon series that I've referred to in the show notes. It's called Balanced, How to Gain and Maintain Financial Stability. And it was one of the best financial sermon series that I think I've ever heard because it really talked about our Western culture mindset and gave us really tangible uh, ways to kind of battle that. And remember that God, he's okay with you having things. He just does not want those things to have you. Where is your heart with the material life we live here in America? Is it thankful or entitled? Is it humble? Is it expectant? I want you guys to listen to a testimony from a friend of mine. And when I listened to this after she sent it, I mean, (laughs) I had goosebumps. Uh, It was so good. Listen to what God does when she boldly asks for something tangible. If God really wanted her to uproot her family and her comfortable lifestyle to move to a lower income neighborhood, to love on and be in proximity to the women who are active in the sex trafficking world. Okay. So here's Andrea's story. Hi, this is Andrea Holtman. And this is my story. In 2017, I retired from corporate America, um, gave up a long-time travel job, a job that I really loved, but just in an effort to spend more time with family, really slow down and find kind of where God was calling me um, and just what the next steps of my life were going to be. While I was taking a break, one of my best friends suggested that we go on a mission trip to India to work with women that were rescued from sex trafficking. It was an awesome opportunity and something I'd wanted to to do for a long time after coming home every weekend from travel. And every time I would go to Crossroads, there would always be someone from one of our partners in India or IJM or one of the many organizations talking about sex trafficking. And it just always pulled on my heartstrings. It was something that just kind of always weighed me down and always just heavy on my heart. So my friend and I decided we were going to go to India. We signed up for the trip and like a jerk, she went and got pregnant on me, so she had to back out of our of our trip, but I decided to keep going. In January of 2019, so just last year, I went to India to Calcutta with a group from Crossroads on a medical mission trip, and we were working with the aftercare homes for women rescued from sex trafficking. On the very first day there, we were at Freeset, and we were working with some of the women And I was in a room with me and another woman from our group, Kelsey, and another lady from New Zealand. And she was asking us kind of what we do and what this looks like, like what what we do back home, what it's like to be 
what what we do when we're in Cincinnati when we're back home, what 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 our lives are like. So I'm I'm not paying a lot of attention. I'm kind of wrestling with some paperwork and Kelsey um starts talking about block ministries in Cincinnati. And um I've never heard of this before, right? And I hear in this room, it's just the three of us women, we're in this really small room, and I hear like as if someone's sitting right next to me, I hear a man say, Hey, listen to her, you're gonna be doing that. I, I thought I must be severely jet lagged. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I'm hearing voices. This is crazy. But I, I put down my paper and I start listening and I'm I'm thinking, wow, I've never heard of this. This is Block Ministries in Cincinnati. Never even heard of them. I live in Cincinnati, like outskirts. Never heard of anything like this. That's crazy. Fast forward a couple of days later, we're in the lobby of the hotel and Kelsey comes up to me and we're talking a little bit and she she, she tells me, when we come back from this trip, you know, I'm I'm gonna hire you on at Block Ministries, like it's going to happen. And I was kind of like, we were both like, okay, that's funny. Oh, sure. Well, we'll see what happens. Worst case scenario, I'll come back and volunteer. Sounds great. Um, Fast forward to the end of our trip. We, of course, kept talking about it the whole time we were there. You know, we, something I was really interested in was getting plugged into Block when I got back. And then we just felt a really strong connection and thought this would be a great opportunity. So when I got back, she gave me a couple weeks to settle down and settle in and, contacted me and said, hey, okay, you ready to start volunteering? Come in to block, you know. So I came the first day, and I volunteered down at Weightless Anchor, which is one of the ministries within Block Ministries. And I remember thinking, like, this is cool. Okay, this is pretty great. The next time I volunteered, she said, hey, so our our director of Weightless Anchor just has um, decided to leave and go pursue her um, certification for social worker um, counseling, whatever she was doing. Uh, is this something you, would you be interested in coming on full-time as staff member of Block Ministries? And I thought, what the heck? I have zero experience in this. I've never worked for a ministry. I come from, you know, I have a business background, a corporate corporate America lifestyle. That's, that's what I'm used to. I live in Liberty Township, Ohio. Price Hill is just a place that you hear about on the news. I don't, I don't know about any of these things. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, let me pray about it. Let me talk to my husband. We'll see what happens. So Adam, my husband and I, we go have dinner with her and her husband and that we talk more about what this looks like and kind of what the position entails and um, what our life would look like if we took this position at Block Ministries because um, one of the biggest, coolest things about Block is that we believe in living where you serve. So if you're a full-time staff member for Block Ministries, you live in Price Hill which is not Liberty Township. <laughs> um, so we, I decided I'm going to pray about it. I, you know, Adam and I are going to talk about it. We're going to pray about it. Um, it sounds like a great opportunity. It sounds like something God's really calling me to, but I'm still human and still full of doubts, and I love my life and our house and where we lived and all the things. So I decide I'm going to be that really smart aleck person that sits down with God and says, hey, God, if you want me to take this position, then I need you to give me a block of wood. I literally prayed that. I literally prayed, if you want to, if you, this is something you want me to pursue, you can, you're big and powerful and you can do all things, then I want you to give me a block of wood. You have the power to do that. Thinking this is, you know, I'm just being silly at this point, but I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and reach out and ask for it. That was on a Tuesday. Um, that following Saturday, just a couple days later, I was at Crossroads Church, and 
they were doing a big um, series about legacy and they had chopped down some big trees in their campsites and they decided that they were going to make small blocks of wood and pass them out to everyone at Crossroads. So four days after I asked for a block of wood from our Lord, <laughs> if I'm supposed to take this life-changing endeavor, then I want a block of wood. He delivers. I don't know why we ever doubt, right? Um, but so needless to say, I accepted the position at Block Ministries, and I started working here April 1st of 2019, so just about a year ago. We moved down to Price Hill in November of last year and live in the community, and I run Weightless Anchor, which is a day home for women on the streets actively involved in addiction, prostitution, trafficking, homelessness. We offer um, hot meals, showers, clothing, and most importantly, love without cost, just to women that are broken. You know, the only thing we care about is loving and building relationships and trying to get women off the streets if possible. So that's my story. That's where I am now. Um, long time coming. I went from being a totally different person than where I was before living my life for me, living my life for um, money and ego and all the things that you think are important in the world to giving it all up and moving to Price Hill and to the most amazing life I've ever, I could ever dream of. Isn't that amazing? A piece of daggone wood. I mean, how random, how random is that? Right. And there it is four days later, whatever she said, right. God like hands it to her <laughs> physically. Here you go. You asked for a piece of wood. Here it is. Let's go. Right. So that is such an awesome and inspirational story. And I'll tell you guys a story that we have. So when Justin and I were getting serious about getting out of debt back in 2016, we got really serious about where our money was going. We were both adamant and convicted about just continuing to tithe or whatever, you know, give during this process. And even though our snowball could move faster with that extra going towards debt, not only did we continue to tithe, but I stopped personally the automatic withdrawal. I had set up for tithing and I started making bi-weekly payments by hand. Sometimes when things are just automatically withdrawn, you kind of lose the benefit of the spiritual growth that comes through trusting God. And at this time, I will remind you guys that Justin and I were both working. And so our tithe was just slightly less than our mortgage. Like it was, we both had a pretty decent income. So like it wasn't a small amount, but I would still sit down every other week when we got paid. And the first thing I would do was write out a check by hand, you know, lick the envelope, <laughs> put a stamp on there. And I mean, you guys, I would write this out before I ever wrote a check for our mortgage. It was first and it was the most important and it was what was generous for us. And I remember always thinking, God, you asked us not to be in debt. You asked us not to live above our means. You warned us that the borrower is a slave. Uh, the borrower is a slave to the lender. You know, you gave us this wisdom, and we chose to ignore it. So, we have been mismanaging your money, and that stops now. But as we climb out of this hole, we put our own daggone selves in. 
I'm going to trust that you will take our first fruits and use it for good, even if we haven't been great stewards up until now. So fast forward to December of 2018, just two and a half years later. It's amazing what a difference of getting our finances in order had on our life. We were um, out of debt and we actually got licensed to be foster parents in June of 2018. And we had our fourth baby just 12 days later. So we decided to hold off on opening our home to actually take in a foster child for six months just so we can adjust to having our you know fourth baby before opening our home. Well, starting at the beginning of November, okay, starting at the beginning of November of 2018, we could feel like physically that our home was just under attack. Like we knew we were getting close to being ready to, you know, open our home for foster care. So naturally Satan does what he does. He made us hyper aware of how full our hands already were. Justin and I were just kind of off and just stressed out. We questioned like if we should even foster because technically we started being foster parents before I ever got pregnant with our fourth. (laughs) So there's that. Um, And the intensity of this time really started ramping up. But we knew, like we knew that our life was seemingly crazy at that time because we were getting ready to lean into something God had called our family into. We were about to lean into helping broken families, to supporting hurting children, and we were going to be a part of God's redemptive plan for these families. So we knew that Satan was going to do anything and everything to delay this and just to fill us with doubt and with fear. So December 3rd rolls around and we put our fear aside and we decide to open our home to foster care despite you know, being off despite feeling, you know, we were like, we were very chaotic. We decided to open our home. Mind you, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time and Justin's job was our only source of income. Well, December 3rd was a Monday and on Thursday, December 6th, just three days later, Justin was laid off as a part of a massive cut of employees due to financial hardship his company was facing. Like, for real? (laughs) Like, if the lead up of attacks weren't enough, Satan was like, well, how about we take away your only source of income? Like, that was apparently supposed to be his, you know, grand slam or something. (laughs) I don't know. But here's the thing. Little did he know that we could handle losing our only income because our God had been preparing us for the past three years, (laughs) showing us that, There is joy that comes with living beneath your means, showing us that if we were faithful, he would provide everything we needed. You guys, we had no debt. And so we stood ready and we were faithful. And I mean, at this point, it was like personal, like, okay, we're standing up, we're rolling our sleeves up. And I'm like, all right, like Satan is not messing around right now, but neither are we. Do you guys know the song Angel Armies? And I think it's from Chris Tomlin. And the lyrics say, whom shall I fear? The God of angel armies is always by my side. Like looking back at that day, Justin got laid off. I picture Satan fully ready to jack up our life and to turn us away from foster care and to overwhelm us. But then our family standing up with God and his angel armies surrounding us like, nope, (laughs) 
We are planted firmly in God's hands and we cannot be shaken. And that's really, truly how we felt. While there wasn't fear for us in this, I don't think that either Justin and I were prepared for how God would show up through the church. And I am putting up air quotes here because I'm talking about people who just love God. We knew that God talks so much about the importance of living in community, and we had been living heavily involved in our church community. We had also recently joined a CrossFit gym and had really felt a sense of community there, and we had only been there a very short time. I'm talking like not even a month. It wasn't until this job loss, though, that we truly got to see how God works through the community that he had around us. I mean, we got to see people in our faith community, in our gym community, be in the hands of feet of Christ and stepping in for us with prayer, with meals. I mean, we would have like $200 grocery gift cards dropped off at our door. People were babysitting for us for free so we could still have a date night and invest in our marriage. Like the other thing was, is that we thought we were going to have to leave the gym the CrossFit gym that we had just begun to fall in love with. Like, you guys, I just started going because I wanted to start investing in myself again. And, you know, but financially, it was very expensive. (laughs) Like, Justin did lose his job. So, I mean, there was just not really going to be a way that we can afford it. But one of the members actually called us. I think it might have even been the day that Justin got laid off and just said, hey, um, we would actually like to pay your membership for both you and your husband for three months so that you have time to get back on your feet and you can still be plugged in to this community. Like what? (laughs) That's a lot of money, (laughs) but what a blessing. Like people opened up their network as Justin began to, you know, search for a new job for what was next. And ultimately through those connections, he was able to find a job that not only could provide so much more fulfillment, like personally for him, but also provide financially in a way you guys that we never thought would be even possible like talk about God showing off and I want to share a story about friends of ours we met on the fostering journey and she talks about how they had to depend on God when they made ready for it eight thousand dollars a year in Bible college with the closest family support being a thousand miles away and they had two babies and one on the way Okay, crazy. I want you to listen to their story. When we first got married um, in 2010, we immediately moved to Bible College where um, uh, I would go from working to then being a stay-at-home mom pretty quickly, faster than we um, probably anticipated. So we went down to one income of, I think it was a 725 my husband is making, uh, part-time. So he had a student job. Um, on campus for 20 hours a week and uh, 7.25 an hour. So we were racking in about $8,000 a year. And that was, you know, for both him and I. And then at the end of our four years at that Bible college, we had two kids and I was halfway through um, the pregnancy with our third child. Um, So that was definitely posed a lot of opportunities to trust God in a major, major way. I will say that it's not like some magical mystery of how do you, you know, practically, how do you live life um, 
you know, on $8,000 a year. It was a humble pill that we had to swallow for things like um, getting signed up for food stamps and um, making sure that at least the kids and I were covered on Medicaid, um, considering I was having babies left and right by definitely God's hand and his plan, not ours, to have them so close together. We're thankful for it now, but um, so we definitely had to take that humble pill and and accept help when we absolutely desperately needed it. I think that um, that's why those helps are there for people that truly um, need it. We were a thousand miles away from all of our family, newly married with two little kids and one on the way. So we were not going to um, turn away help in whatever form that came in. So we were very grateful for for both of those aids and, um, and still are. So we didn't just make it through with that for sure. Um, we would go to the mailbox at the school and there would, you know, say our car needed, you know, a $400 repair. And just so happens the timing of that, um, you know, uh, donors would donate to the students and then they would split it amongst all of the families or the singles there. And, you know, there'd be $400 sitting in our, in our mailbox, things like that. The, you know, the quintessential, it just shows up at your doorstep kind of thing. Um, definitely did happen, um, to us several times and also just, I think, the practical way of living through several years. Um, you know, we also lived off of the savings that I had brought into the marriage, working really hard and living at home still. So we lived off of savings. We had government aids in place. And then also people would just um, be very gracious to the students at this college and would just be very giving um, in just the right times as well. So that's not too many specifics on that. But uh, so the next big thing, I won't go into too many details here, but after Bible College, we um, did move on to moving up there, uh, up to Cincinnati to plant a church with our two very uh, close friends. Um, I wouldn't recommend trying to plant a church or do any other really risky thing with someone that you don't know really well that you know their integrity and you know that they're going to have your back. Um, we moved even further away from all of our family by going to Cincinnati. Um, so they were our shoulders to lean on. And so we moved there with um, a $1,000 stipend as our only income. Um, I was due to have our third baby um, four months after we landed in Cincinnati. He got the $1,000 stipend from the North American Mission Board. Um, and that was it. He had one semester left of school when we first moved there. Um, and so he felt that God was actually saying not to get a job yet with a baby, uh, coming and the semester ending all at the same time. Um, it was hard for him to accept that answer from the Lord, but he just said to wait to get a job. So we landed there with a thousand dollars, the rent, um, for this miraculous home, that we were able to get as a rental was eight fifty, So that alone, <laughs> that and utilities, um, you know, it just didn't add up at all. We came with a little bit of savings from a tax return. <laughs> uh, um, but that was it. We, we kind of lived off of that. Um, but those first few months, especially were very, very hard. Um, we had the month Ashton, our youngest child was born. We had $55 in our bank account. And I just, I will never forget that. It was very much like, God, we are here. We are doing the hard thing for you. Um, and uh, when are you going to come through? Because this is really scary. 
we didn't tell any of our family <laughs> or uh and we only told our very close friends that we moved there to plant the church with and they were so gracious and giving and they asked us how um sure are you on your bills? And they were a practical way that God used to provide for us. One of the many times he provided, um, they would just write a check to the, to the penny that we needed to cover our bills. Um, they did that several months and this is not just like $50. It was several hundred dollars and they didn't have a lot to give from either, but they gave very sacrificially to, um, ensure our lights staying on and, and food staying on our, our table and all of these things. So it doesn't add up, but we did make it from July to the following January, um, January of 2015, when my husband did eventually get a job and had, um, you know, income. But those first few months were so tough. And my youngest child, the one that I had in Cincinnati, right when we moved there, um, his middle name is Isaac. And I love telling the story because it's so special to me. Um, when we were preparing to go to Cincinnati and, and, and take that trust walk m- that much further, um, knowing that we were going there without enough money, the world would look at that and say that is irresponsible. That's very stupid. Um, I would look at myself and say that, that this is irresponsible. This is very stupid. But the things that God calls us to sometimes defies all logic all reasoning, all budgets, um, like we even made enough money to have a budget. And so his middle name is Isaac because um, God sent Abraham into the wilderness with two things that he needed. Um, They had wood and they had the fire, but they needed the sacrifice. And we had housing and we had the needed approval from the mission board to move to Cincinnati. And the third thing that was missing was money. And, and enough to live on. And so we trusted God and he provided. There was many other things that they provided, but I think one big thing as well in Cincinnati uh, that I clearly remember is our van, our main mode of transportation that would take all five of us around. The transmission had fully gone out and um, it did take a while um, to fix it, but um, it was $2,500 that we did not have. Um, and that money was raised by many um, local churches in Ohio and then just all around the country. Uh, the word got spread out that there was this church planter and they needed their van fixed. And through many gracious people giving, I don't even know the names and faces of these people that gave to us, and they didn't know us either. But God chose to use his church to provide for a very big need. We were, I think, a little over a month um, without our, our van. So we, um, did not go anywhere, um, for that six weeks that would, that was beyond, uh, you know, one or two of us, um, leaving the house or neighborhood, but, but that was okay. God provided nonetheless. And, um, and even now, you know, it's always going to be a walk of trust with God. It's, um, there's always some big hurdle right now. We're dealing with it in our, in our, you know, church and we're dealing with it in our life, were really trepidatious to step into the calling of international adoption because that um, just seems so monumental, just something that we could never um, on our own and we definitely can't on our own overcome. And I think that's the thing, right? Like that's, he's always going to call us to a place that is even further 
out, even bigger, even more difficult to, to climb over, to keep growing our faith and to keep growing our trust. And while these times of financial hardship are so hard, I think that if we really lean in to and trust God in it, there's a lot to be learned, like the, the best things, the best stuff to be learned and grasped um, is in those times of trial. Incredible, right? Like God's church is alive and it is paying attention to the needs that people have. And I hope that these stories have been encouraging to you and have challenged you to act boldly and give generously. When you just truly change the mindset from how can this money I've earned serve me to how can this blessing I've received serve others? The peace and abundance you will find will change your life. Isaiah 41, 10, 13 says, don't panic. I am with you. There is no need to fear for I am your God. I will give you strength. I will help you. I, your God, have a firm grip on you and I am not letting go. So remember, as you attack your goals or face challenges in your life and finances, remember that you are fully resourced to do the work that God is calling you to do. And no matter what you are up against, you are already enough. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. We actually have a couple more stories that came in, and I'm just going to probably share them on on the next faith episode with you guys. So for those of you who haven't joined our Legacy Through Motherhood Facebook group, I would love to hear your stories of how you have seen God bless you generously through your faith and commitment to Him. It is so energizing to have such an active community that is committed to helping one another find our grit while completely covering each other in grace. Join me next week as we circle back to our health topic, and I am very excited to start this next conversation with you guys. I hope you all have a wonderful week.